uh, chapter 7. And I know that's a, a kind of an odd, odd book uh, for us to be talking about on the Mysterion Room. But on the, on the other hand, we need to uh, know and, and appreciate the fact that uh, he, he speaks to us in many ways, at many times, in many different methods, in, in, in many different ways. And we uh, appreciate the fact that he uh, uh, does that uh, and continues to try to reach out uh, to, to uh, his saints especially, but really to the to the all his creation in ways in which uh, we can get to know more about him, how he thinks, how he operates, what he believes is good and just, and uh, we need to try to align our thoughts up more, not trying to change his ways, but rather trying to change our ways to measure up to him who is the standard. So uh, after we do the Hebrews 7, we'll read that chapter. Then we'll be going back into our books, uh, in the books, uh, in, mainly in the book of Ephesians. But I just want to thank in this sense of what we're looking at tonight is, is how he is establishing and showing that he wants to be uh, worshipped. He takes the uh, office here in uh, Hebrews 7. Uh, in, in the name of Melchizedek, and he takes the role as a priest. And so, if you think about in their creation, this uh, this is not too far after uh, the fact of Adam and Eve, and uh, and, I, and, and perhaps we could even include the, the Book of Job, because we think that was one of the first books written. But we but we know this uh, particular position. He actually came down uh, and received tithes from Abraham. And so the, one of the things we want to distinguish is between uh, Israel, how Israel was to worship, and what was pleasing uh, to the Father when Israel uh, provided sacrifices and offerings. And... Uh, and did what he required in order for him to be able to worship them. They never really accepted him as the king, as they should have. And another that's another position that he has. He's going to become king of kings and lord of lords. He had already had the capacity, but he just didn't roll himself out in that particular manner initially. So uh, let's say a quick prayer, and then we will uh, we will start uh, this class again, uh, continuing on with the idea that God uh, desired to be known by His creation. So, Heavenly God and Father, we'd ask that You'd help us, help each one that came and joined with us tonight, to be able to uh, comprehend and and understand those things that you'd have them to have from your word. We ask, Lord, you would continue to bless each one of us, continue to guide and direct our lives, uh, help us to depend upon you, uh, not only for uh, just knowledge, but also the desire to want to get to know you and understand you and be uh, 
saints that are well-pleasing unto you, rightly dividing the word of truth. Thank you again for each one who's come this way. We uh, ask again if there's any needs uh, your healing, that you would, uh, would do that according to your will, and that you could continue to strengthen us as we uh, get over this COVID. So with that, let's uh, turn to the Word of God, Hebrews chapter 7. And it starts out by saying, uh, For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham, returning from the slaughter of the kings, and blessed him. So we see here are uh, two different titles, one of being... Uh, the priest, and one of uh, being a king. And that was one of the things that the Lord could do uh, as God. He could be the priest, the king, and the prophet. We, we know there were other examples of kings who tried to take on that role as a priest, and they weren't allowed to do that, and they were uh, punished because of it. So this is another example of just proving that this is another title, another couple titles that apply to the apply to God that are unique and that make him uh, unique from the standpoint that none of us could fulfill those three different roles or three different positions that he that he could. He was not only qualified but he was able to do it and he was blessed as a result of doing that. And I think it does show that part I was talking about earlier on about worship, uh, that he uh, desires uh, those who want to, who desire to worship him and thank him for all that he does. He, he loves that adoration, he loves that glory, and he loves that position that he is uh, uh, able to fulfill. And as he said in the creation, he saw that it was good, very good in some places. So we we see this early on, uh, verse 2, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth. And so that's, that uh, 10% uh, is, is some, uh, what they call tithing, that the people, uh, religious people nowadays, think that we should be involved with that. I'm just going to uh, suggest that these rules, this receiving of offerings and tithings, were necessary uh, with and for Israel. And uh, Abraham was the uh, was the father of uh, the nation Israel, and as a result uh, of that, he gave offerings into this Melchizedek. So he goes on to say uh, he took a a tenth part of it, of all, uh, first being by interpretation king of righteousness, another title, and after that also king of Salem, which is king of peace. So we can see all these many titles I I ran into a, well, it's a mailman the other day and he was talking to me about Jesus. And I thought, 
I didn't really want, you know, with him being on the clock, I really didn't want to get into a long discussion. But I thought of all these different titles the Lord has, and the title Jesus was his, his, his name when he was here on the planet, serving as the uh, Son of Man and as the Son of God. But I think he, these other titles, these other positions that he have, has, are very, very important. And that we would do better if we would refer to him as either our head or that we could refer to him as the Lord Christ Jesus. These are names and titles that he has earned and he deserves to be addressed in that manner when we think about him because of all the, all that he does uh, in these different, uh, different roles. He goes on to say, and it's important that we see this, Melchizedek says here that he had no father. He was without, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of days. So this is, this is God. Because he's the, he's the only one that has no beginning nor end because, because of who he is. So it's important that we that we realize that and see that and establish the, uh, the these titles and what they what they mean. He says now considering consider how great this man was, and to whom even the patriarch Abraham gave the tenth of the spoils. So I think they're just establishing uh, part of this uh, Israeli. Of faith to 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 do these things, and these uh, these ties that they gave were to keep the uh, the business of the church operating and running. Uh, <coughs> excuse me, we have governments now that kind of control nations, but in the beginning when it started, it was the governments were combined with uh, with the religion. And they would do uh, do these things uh, uh, together, and, uh, and and take care of the affairs that needed to be done, uh, either through uh, the, the ties or through the, uh, the the free will offerings that people would give, and the sacrifices that people would make. He says, "Now consider how great this man was, uh, and that Abraham gave the tenth of his spoils, and verily." that are the sons of Levi, which receive the office of the priesthood, have a commandment to take tithes of the people according to the law, that is, of their brethren, though they come out of the lions of Abraham, in other words, all part of Abraham's seed. But he whose descent is not counted from, from them, received tithes of Abraham and blessed him that had the promises. And without all contradiction, the less is blessed of the better. And here men that die receive tithes, but there uh, but he that receiveth them, of whom it is written that he liveth. And as I may uh, so say, Levi also, 
who were who received tithes paid tithes in Abraham. So again, these these things that they did, the Lord asked them to do it, and they did it. And because they did it, it blessed. And so uh, we need to appreciate the, these laws, these rules, these guidelines, these offerings were done in a, in a manner that pleased the Lord. He says, if therefore perfection were by the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need was there that another priest should rise after the order of Melchizedek and not be called after the order of Aaron? Well, that's, it's very important that it was uh, that when once a nation of Israel was uh, uh, created, that the Lord also set up a priesthood uh, with uh, Aaron and those that followed after Aaron, uh, they became priests also. So they continued the same uh, the same way of receiving tithes and then and then blessing the nation of Israel in turn. Verse 12 says, For the priesthood being changed, there is made of necessity a change also of the law. <laughs> I think that's a very important rule that we need to realize. Like we're living in the, in the age of grace, the dispensation of mystery on truth. Our rules are different. And, and, and so there was a change that happened after Israel rejected Christ as their king. And so as, as a result of that, the Lord had a secret purpose that he had kept hidden from them from ages and generations. And that the, the new, uh, the new rule, uh, was that they wouldn't worship in the same way. We worship now in spirit and in truth. Not necessarily at a particular location someplace. We're right now in different states and we're sharing the word of God. But we're able, this manner in which we use to, uh, talk about the Lord, talk about his word and think about him, uh, I think is well pleasing unto him that he would have us to, to, to do that. And that it's not required of us that we all meet in the same particular building. It goes on to say, For he of whom these things are spoken pertaining to another tribe of which no man gave attendance at the altar. It is evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah, of which tribe Moses spake nothing concerning the priesthood. And it is very far more evident for that after the similitude of Melchizedek, there arises another priest who is made not after the law of carnal commandment, but after power of an endless life. For he testifieth, thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. For there is barely a disannulling of the commandment going before for the weakness and the unprofitableness thereof. For the law made nothing perfect, 
but the bringing in of a better hope did, by the which we draw nigh unto God. And inasmuch as not without an oath, he was made priest. For those priests were made without an oath, but this with an oath, by him that said unto him, The Lord swear, and will not repent, thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. By so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament, and they truly were many priests, because they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. But this man, because he continued ever, had an unchangeable priesthood. Wherefore, he is able also to save them by the utmost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. For such a high priest became us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens, who needeth not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifice first for his own sins. The reason that he didn't have to do that is because he had no sin. So there's no reason for him to do that. He wasn't a sinner. He wasn't like you and I, born unto sin. He goes on to say, when he offered up himself, for the law maketh men high priest, which have infirmity or which have weaknesses. <clears throat> Again, they had rules in how they did that and the, the guidelines that they had to use to, to, to do that. He goes on to, he goes on to say that, uh, it's about like an election, I guess you might say. When one high priest would die, then they would appoint another one. And he would uh, he would take take on them take on that oath and uh, continue. He says, uh, which was since the law maketh the son who is consecrated forevermore. So again, he could take on that uh, on that law or take on that that role as the priest and uh, receive tithes as a result. I do think that Satan thought that he could do, he could fulfill a role like that, that he could receive uh, tithes and then offer that back to uh, God the Father, but he really wasn't qualified because he was a sinner, and therefore he couldn't uh, couldn't be qualified. Now let's turn over to uh, Ephesians 1. Let me talk about it, think about it. Some of the different... Uh, uh, things, manners of worship uh, that we have now uh, as opposed to uh, what they had there in Hebrews. I think it's uh, uh, very important that we uh, understand these rules, understand our, um, our role. When we think about the Lord now, um, uh, we think of him as the one mediator. Uh, the mediator that can there. Uh, when we pray, we go through the one mediator, that is 
of Jesus Christ and that he can uh, uh, take our um, request uh, uh, and take them to the Father and uh, deal with those things uh, appropriately in that in that manner. So rather than having to go through uh, a human being uh, here on the earth, rather we uh, intervene and talk to the uh, to and through the one mediator, Jesus Christ. Whenever we uh, whenever we worship. So uh, Ephesians one, starting in verse one. He says, uh, Paul, I, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, uh, an apostle was a commissioned one. Uh, we know that we have our apostle, uh, the apostle Paul, as the uh, apostle to the Gentiles, but he's also the apostles uh, to the uh, to the bodies. Uh, so he, at one time, he was uh, when he first started out, it was the Jew and the Gentile. And uh, now we don't make a distinction in between the Jew and Gentile. We just make a uh, the distinction that we're uh, saints, that we are uh, members of his body. So he goes on to say, uh, by the will of God. So when you ever have a question about why or how this happened, it was God's desire. It didn't mean he forced it that he meant it was his desire. And he says it's to the saints. And a saint is not something, a position that we have to earn. It's already been earned by the uh, the death, burial, and uh, sacrifice that Christ made. Uh, saints have the idea that we're holy ones. Or we don't always act it, but we are. And we are believing ones. So he says it's by the will of God to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. We can certainly be qualified to be either faithful or unfaithful, depending on how we conduct ourselves. He goes on to say in verse 2, Grace be to you and peace of God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. The title I told you earlier is much more appropriate for us today when we think about the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed, blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. If we were to go through some of the uh, other uh, books, even in the New Testament, we can see that our Blessings are in a different location, <coughs> not on the not on the earth. And Israel was promised earthly blessings; we've been promised spiritual blessings. So, spiritual blessings are blessings that come from God. They may or may not be material. They may or not may or may not be uh, referring to the the earth here. It could be in the heavenly places far above all. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father on his throne. And verse 4 says, According as he has uh, chosen us, or he has founding, founded us in him before the foundation of the world, 
that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. I have in my note here, it's an unblemished, uh, unblemished, sacred servants. Uh, and he's made us that way. This is the way he sees us. Having predestinated us into the adoption, it says of children in the King James, but it's really, it's a sonship adoption. Sonship in relationship to the Father. By Jesus Christ to himself. In other words, he did it all. He's really the only one that could have done his force, because we, we really weren't qualified. But he could do it by his sacrifice that he made. And it's according to the good pleasure of his will, and to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he has made us accepted, or highly favored, think is a better way to uh, think of this. It just seems to have a little more meaning to it. We are acceptable, no question about that, but we are also highly favored in the Beloved. And again, it's not because what we have done, it's because of what he has done. He goes on to say, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he has made us accepted in the Beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. In other words, there was a ransom that was required. It was death. And he paid the price for us. And he says he did it according to the riches of his grace. What a great time to be alive. What a great dispensation that we're in and how appreciative we need to be of what the the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us. Verse 8 says, Wherein he has abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. In other words, he's given us uh, insights, knowledge that others perhaps wouldn't have had because of our relationship with Christ our head and we as his body having made known unto us the mysterion of his will or his heart's desire. And there are some that think that if it's God's will, it had to happen. Well, really, most of the time when you think about God's will, it's really his desire. Because he doesn't want to force these things. He wants us to work with him, through him, in him. And he says he did it according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation uh, of the fullness of times, he might gather in one all. So that that is a, uh, it's a unity, it's a bond that he has uh, given us that uh, makes us unique in the equality in a relationship that we have with the Father. So he goes on to say, um, the things in Christ, both which are in heaven, 
we don't often think about uh, heaven, the things of heavens and the beings that are in heaven because we're uh, just not familiar. We haven't haven't, uh, been there. But the fact that there's going to be a complete unity in between those beings in the heavenly places are above all. And some of the uh, saints that are here on the earth is, uh, is special. He says in verse 11, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance being predestinated. To me, when I think about predestinated, I think about being predetermined. Uh, I, I think about it happened before we even came into existence. But God, who has all knowledge and full knowledge, can certainly choose and and pick those who he wants to be members of his body. And he says this was all done according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. (coughs) I certainly don't think of different discussions or, or different things. I think there's just thoughts going on whenever he he didn't really have anyone else around to consult with to ask him what, the, what they thought. He, because of who he is and what he is and what he does because of who he is and what he has, he can make these, uh, uh, have these conversations with himself, so to speak, uh, being the father of his son, and the Holy Spirit. And he can have these thoughts and then put these thoughts into actions by his word. He says that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ in whom after you also trusted after that you heard the word of truth the gospel of your salvation and whom also after that after that you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. And then people think about sometimes people being saved and being lost again. But I don't see that being possible when it comes to our open calling. The Lord put his seal upon us. And once he did that, there was nobody going to change that. We may not all be, uh, like it says in, Second Timothy 2.15, we may not, uh, some of us might be ashamed on what we've said or done, but in reality, when it comes right down to it, how the Lord sees us, he says this is perfect. And so that's the way we ought to think about ourselves, it is the same way that he thinks about us, and try to live up to the, uh, the positions and the places that we are going to be spending eternity uh, as members of Christ's body. He says, um, In whom you also trusted after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and also after that you believed you were sealed. And then verse 14 says, Which is the earnest, or it's like the down payment of our inheritance unto the redemption of the purchased possession into the praise of his glory. So he's already paid for us. We have been, uh, we have been, the down payment's been paid and also the 
the shed blood accomplished the uh, the, per- the purchase, and it was all done to the praise of His glory. He says, "Wherefore also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, love it to all the saints, cease not to give thanks for your making mention of you, my priest, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory." may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. I know there's a passage in, in Timothy that says that we've been given a, a sound mind. And I think that's absolutely true and we need it because we're constantly, seems like we're constantly under attack by the world and by, by the enemy. But the Lord has given us that ability, given the armor, really, for us to be able to defend ourselves against such attacks. He goes on to say, The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches or the full value of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. I've heard this uh, translated sometimes uh, in the Holy Ones, which is what we are. But but uh, e- either way, whether it's uh, all as a, a group or all as individuals, we are blessed and we are his inheritance. And what is the uh, exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power. <coughs> he says, in which he wrought in Christ, when he raised him from the dead, and set him in his own right hand, it says, well, I like to think of it as his own rightful place on the throne, in the heavenly places, or above all principality and power and might, and dominion in every name that's named, not only in this world, but also that is, uh, is that which is to come. And he has put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head. Another important position he has is being the head over all things to the church. He goes on to say, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all and in all. So that's as far as I wanted to uh, speak tonight. I think my voice is uh, still holding out, but it's uh, getting a little weaker now. So uh, hopefully uh, these thoughts that I've shared uh, with um, what was going on in Hebrews with this Melchizedek and what's going on now in this dispensation in this age in which we live now that um, it's, I think it's important that we draw the differences that we understand the differences the different rules the different manners in which uh, if we were to make sacrifices like the like these saints did in other dispensations this would not be well pleasing unto the Lord. So we don't want to do that. We don't want to worship in the manner in which they did, but we do want to worship in spirit and in truth 
allowing the one mediator to be our to be our guide. So with that, I'm going to uh, uh, shut off the mic.